Opening program parameters. Player code established. Welcome, Welcome. to the program. A production of TheMetalRobot.com Nobody cares about the robot gimmick! Just start the fucking show already! Ugh. Humans are determined assholes. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. Initializing post-playback. Welcome to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast, a podcast about all things metal and everything in between. We're on episode 30 of the show now. Only five more episodes, and we get to see the show's own midlife crisis. Yeah, that'll be interesting to hear, don't you think? But who cares about that right now when we have some cool shit for you today? Boxes Andrew Stromstad is back to continue talking about the upcoming album Cherry Blossoms at Night. Also, I sit down with my good friend Colin Sterling of Thrasher's Paradise once again to talk about selling out. Does it matter? Or are some people just being crybabies? In the Metal News Recap, who's really to blame for Sepultura Split? Max says it's not the wife. And David Draymond has, oh, let's say an odd opinion on Vince Neil's health and vocals. But coming up in a few short moments, Patriot, Trog, Oceans of Slumber, and Acidican get put under the knife, as it were, among this week's new releases. All this and more, so let's not waste much more time and let's get into the show. I'm Tom McKay, and this is the Metal Robot Podcast. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. It's the Metal Robot Podcast. Welcome. As always, I'm your host, Tom McKay. Can I just say before we get started here, Canadian summers are fucked. Like, not just with global warming and shit, but if you're living in an apartment in a Canadian city right now during the summertime, you know exactly how fucking unbearably hot it can get. It's 31 degrees Celsius right now as I'm recording this. I might as well convert my room into an oven so I can sleep like a Thanksgiving turkey. It's really bad, and I'm sweating so much right now that my balls are permaglued to my chair. It's leather too, which doesn't help anything. Side note, if you, for whatever reason, hear the sound of Velcro in this podcast, just know that I accidentally stood up and will be in searing pain for the rest of the episode. You know, just out of curiosity, I wonder if other people are dealing with this heat too. Oh my god, the entire continent of Europe is on fire?! So suddenly, I feel like my complaints are less important as of right now. Um, How about we get into the reviews now? Four new albums this week, all of various degrees of metal for all. So let's get into it. As always, if you have any albums you want me to talk about on future episodes of the podcast, send me an email, tmckay at themetalrobot.com. That's T-M-C-K-A-Y at themetalrobot.com. Or reach out on my socials, Facebook and Twitter at themetalrobot, Instagram at the.metalrobot, be sure to also use the hashtag MetalRobotPodcast so I can find you. Now, without further ado, let's take a look at what we've got. Let's start off with some good old-fashioned thrash metal with Hatriot and their new album, The Veil of Shadows. First off, that scream in the intro lasted for 15 seconds. 15 fucking seconds, my god, dude! Sure, it's no 25-second Maynard shout in The Grudge, but we're already off to a pretty good start. One thing you notice as this album goes on is amongst the death and thrash metal sound these guys have, there's also quite a few other influences getting thrown into there as well to spice things up. In the opening song of Horns and Halos alone, I spotted the likes of melodic metal, MDM, new wave heavy metal, kind of, even uh, 2000s metalcore. 
Now, y'all know my thoughts on the monotony of the thrash metal genre as of late, but I feel like amongst all my bitching, the thrash metal gods have been looking down on me and we're just like, oh my fuck, here, listen to this and shut up already. Before, of course, promptly going back to chugging their 20th Miller of the day. Fuck you, I'm almost at 21, you fucking c- Now don't get me wrong, just because this album features more style combinations than a drunken creation of a Nintendo Me character, the thrash metal roots still hold strong, and as a result, this is a thrash metal record front to back. Normally that would be a slight complaint of mine, especially those who seem to think ripping off Slayer makes them cool shit. But here, everything comes together to form its own sound. The riffs of Kevin Patterson and Costa V are both ripping and melodic, including some nice chugs every so often with pretty 2000s type chord sustains for that extra little bit of intrigue. Nick Souza's drums, while not doing too much to impress, are still pretty strong and aren't lacking any punch. Though once you learn Alex Bent was in this band, anybody after becomes chump change in comparison. Seriously, how did you guys let him go? At the same time, I'm a Trivium fan, so thank you for letting him go. And while Cody Souza's bass isn't terribly interesting, his vocals jump between low shouting growls and ear-piercing shrieks to add further intrigue to the album's overall runtime. To be honest, there isn't a whole lot of complaining I have here. It is still a thrash metal album to its roots, so maybe non-thrash metal fans might have a hard time getting into it for a long period, but even then, the change-ups we hear, especially on Clemency Denied, when the acoustic guitars come in to add that spice, are more than enough to help settle new listeners into the groove. I'm just above all else glad I found a fantastic thrash metal album that isn't ripping off the old guard and calling it new. 14 and a half out of 15, seriously. Go get it if you fancy some face-ripping metal. Esoton's The Autocatalytic Process I've got nothing to add here. 10 out of 15. It's tech death. You'll be fine. Have fun. Or don't. I don't care. Oh, that's good. Wait, what? You want more? Oh, fuck off! What else is there to say? Ugh, look, it's not a bad album. It's a fairly good album. It's well-performed. It's well-produced. It's got some interesting riffing going on, and the vocals are kind of cool as well. And that was very easy for me to say because I copied and pasted that from every other time I talked about Tech Death. During my Hatred review earlier, I was talking about how I was glad they weren't another Slayer cover band, but here, Eseton seems to be just another clone of Born of Osiris, Rings of Saturn, The Faceless, Nile, Necrophagus, and 20 hundred others doing the exact same fucking thing. It's the exact same issue I've always had with thrash metal, which goes a little something like this. All right, welcome one and all. We've got a hell of a match for you tonight. In one corner, we've got one singular band with a very original sound and single identity that'll be remembered and loved for decades to come. And in the other corner, 20 other clones that have no creative energy whatsoever. The real question is, who's going to come out on top and who's going to suck the most dick? Place your bets, place your bets! <clears throat> Sorry, I got a little carried away there. Now, to be fair, it's not bad, as I said. Nothing about this is super offensive or outright annoying about the composition or even the performances and production. I do wish the songs would blend together a bit less, but overall, it's an okay album. And that's what pisses me off so much. Tech death bands are so proficient with their instruments when they aren't quantizing the shit out of them, so it baffles me that almost none of them can write any unique riffs and solos or have anything original about them. Look, I could go on and on on the exact same talking point of, it's okay, it's not bad. 
whatever. But what's the point? If I have to repeat myself over and over again, I should at least have a tape recorder sitting around so I can record myself saying that point, hit play every time I have to say it. It'll save me time and save the world oxygen. Now look, if you like tech death already, you'll do fine with this one, you won't find anything new here, but it's another tech death record that you can add to your collection, it's no big deal. If you don't like tech death, then this won't be your thing at all, like that's all I've got, that's it, 10 out of 15, now let me fucking drink in peace before I get to the next one. Ugh. Drug's new EP of Vomit Reborn. Here we have some old school death metal. Formerly Troglorot, these guys formed back in 2019, so while not around during the days of early Cannibal Corpse, Morbid Angel, Death and Undeath, these guys at least understood the era in which their sound comes from. It's 30 to 40 years fucking late, but understand the sound they do. And stick with that sound as well they do. Throughout the main songs on this album, you are given a grisly soundscape to mosh to, thanks in part to the guitars from Dan Erdenberger and TJ Kuhn, those pounding drums by Hudson Barth and Pete Colucci's Toilet Bowl vocal. My god, this is gnarly stuff. Though with that early death metal sound comes the unfortunate reality that these guys also unfortunately replicated. See, back then, good production was expensive, and most of those old-school death metal bands had really poor mixes and bad production for the same reason I was a virgin in high school. Not by choice, but by circumstance. Nowadays, though, you can have better sounding production from the comfort of your bedroom, or send off to a mixing engineer for a better price than you would have had to deal with back in the day. Drog, however, didn't go that route. True to that 80s old school style, they seem to have replicated that production quality here. Though unlike their older counterparts, this was obviously by choice. While it doesn't take away from the gnarly sound this band has, in many ways adds to it, it does mean that the mix is fucking horrendous. The drums are either way too crackly in the high end with the cymbals or way too pushed back down the hallway for the snare and kick especially, while the bass is almost nowhere to be heard, probably because it's only heard when it needs to be heard, otherwise let the guitars take the reins. The bass is just copying the guitars anyways, right? Now that's with the main songs, but what about the EP's intro and interlude synth stuff? Easy. Avoid them entirely. First off, they don't really add anything to the album. The intro kind of exists, but doesn't really introduce anything that this album has, and the interlude, all it does is just pump the brakes hard on the album's momentum, which the title track and final song of the album can't get back because it has no time to do so. This is the last one. Also, remember when I was bringing up the album's poor mix? Yeah, that was intentional because somehow the synths in those two tracks are better mixed than the metal sound that we got. And somehow louder than the metal mix? How the hell do you have such a gnarly sound in the metal songs and that's somehow still quieter than the obvious Stranger Things trend chasing songs? It blows my fucking mind! But whether you keep or get rid of the two out of place songs in this album, you're still given a less than 30 minute gnarly metal sound that takes you back to a time long gone but always remembered in modern television. 12 out of 15, for old school death metal, it's a fucking gnarly album to add to the collection. I'm drowning in your sorrow. 
Ooh, here's an interesting one. Let's take things down a couple notches to end this segment with Oceans of Slumber and their new album, Starlight and Ash. First off, this is probably the polar opposite of what we've been talking about on this show thus far. The gnarly and blistering sound of thrash and death makes way for proggy southern blues metal, and those black mouth of Sauron vocals make way for silky smooth Louisiana jazz prowess and serenity. Don't get me wrong, there's still plenty of metal to be had here on this album, but it's obviously not the main focus on this band's sound. While I could talk about the great sounding guitars of Jesse Santos and Alexander Lucian, the gliding bass of Samir Ozerkan, the stellar keyboard work of Matt Allman, Dauber Beverly's pounding and devastating drum work as well as his tasteful piano playing, let's be real here, the true identity of this band's sound is Cami Gilbert's stellar vocals. This band is from Houston but if you never told me that fact, I would have assumed this was some New Orleans metal with her silky smooth vocal inflections, infectious melodies, and powerful croons. Mmm, so good! This is a great example of the softer side of metal, though I found something interesting about this particular album outside of the spine-chilling cover of House of the Rising Sun. When doing my research about this band, I found a quote from Noisy under Vice that called them a female-fronted opath. Which, listening to this album makes a lot of sense, but when digging into the band's back catalogue, not one album earlier had a slightly different sound. See if you can spot it. Holy shit, do you know what this means? Starlight and Ash is the band's heritage. Oh dear god. And yet, surprisingly, I haven't seen any backlash from the fans, which I bet is making Michael Ackerfeld scream, Oh, come on! What the fuck, guys? I'm kidding, of course, I'm only joking. Post 2011, he'd be jazz singing it. But jokes aside, I think there's a reason for that, though. With Opeth, those low guttural growls were synonymous with the band's sound, so getting rid of them was a big deal, as it was a big part of what drew people to the band. With Oceans of Slumber, though, Kemi's harsh vocals were great, but her cleans were the main selling point. So getting rid of the screams and making more room for the cleans is a net positive. And given the beautiful intertwine of the bluesy vocals from some heavy moments gives a lot to desire and dig further into their catalog of fantastic bluesy prog metal. Seriously, have an open mind about this one guys, 14 out of 15, I highly recommend it for anybody looking for some smooth metal to wash down the gnarly metal that we had before. Which reminds me, I should probably go get another drink. Oh god, it happened. Doesn't feel too good, I'll be honest. Uh... And that's it for the reviews. Like I said earlier, send your emails to tmckay at themetalrobot.com or reach out on my socials for any albums you would like covered on the podcast or on the main YouTube show. This could be albums that you're looking forward to from your favorite bands, or it could be albums of yours. Let me know, send me an email, reach out on socials. I'd love to hear from you. Coming up in the show, Andrew Stromstad of Box joins us once again to talk about his upcoming album, Cherry Blossoms at Night. But first... Let's talk about selling out in metal. Do you still care about it? Is it still a problem for you? Let's find out right here on the Metal Robot Podcast. The X-Man of New Orleans is back. No, no, wait, I meant in metal with a new song from Dust Prophet. Could you not have led with that? Sure, but then you wouldn't have done the contractually obligated scream that I can now use for exciting purposes. Watch, Dust Prophet have a new song. <laughs> Here's another one. The tent broke off, so they're giving away free beer to everyone. 
Yes! <laughs> I hate you. When the Axe Falls, new fuzzed out jam from the New Hampshire Fuzz Rockers Dust Prophet. Available on Bandcamp. Link down in the podcast description. Ever wanted to take Metal Robot interviews on the go, but had this happen? Dead? I charged this last night! For fuck's sakes! Ah! While we can't solve a bad phone battery, you can take the interviews you love with you wherever on MRP Throwbacks. Be sure to hit save for when you want this on your evening drive to the venue. Do you know the record Teenage Dream by Katy Perry? Oh god. I want to get whoever produced what that record. No, it's... <laughs> Sorry. MRP Throwbacks. Only on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. All right, welcome back to the show. Let's finally get to the topic of selling out in metal. There's a sense that selling out is a bad thing. After all, entire songs have been written about it. Bands have been chastised for even doing anything monetary. And venues have even banned bands from venues for just because of this issue. Well, at least that used to be the case. Don't get me wrong, bands haven't stopped selling out at the turn of the decade, but I'm not sure I've heard too many people talking too much about it. So that begs the question, does selling out still happen? And do people even still give a shit? Well, to talk more about this, let's bring in the supreme ruler of the Thrasher Court himself, Colin Sterling of Thrasher's Paradise, to talk more about this. Colin, Welcome welcome back to the show. Glad to have you here. Hey, Tom. Thanks so much for bringing me on to talk about a very controversial topic in the metal world that has been an argument for metal fans for decades. Yeah, I agree. It's because like this is something that uh, not even just in metal, but uh, like everybody has been talking about this. There's entire like, like uh, discussions, podcasts, documentaries. Like there's so much uh, talking about selling out. So that's why I'm kind of shocked that I haven't really heard much from it uh, in recent days. That's, I guess, maybe because I haven't been paying too much attention, but I don't <laughs> know. It, it just seems like there's not too many people talking about it nowadays. I don't more or less think it's not. It's like it's still a conversation, but mm -hmm. I think it all depends on the band that sells out and how they how they themselves show themselves with this transition of doing it. You know, right. you have certain metal. Okay, let's be realistic. A lot of the money makers in the metal industry today, besides being the bands for, of of old, like your Metallica, Maiden, mm. uh, Sabbath, and all the other legends. Nowadays, if you want to make money realistically in metal, you have to have that metal core sound to even mm -hmm. be considered. But in all honesty, you can make money just, just by playing the style of music you play. But in my opinion, it's a matter of how you, how you hold yourselves as a band compared to everything else. A great example for me, there is this is Italian band. Mm -hmm. They were an amazing thrash band and then they turned metalcore and they really turned off a lot of their fans. I'm talking about ultraviolence for those who might have not figured it out by that by the this point. Um ultraviolence were an up and coming phenomenal thrash band. Like their music was great three killer thrash albums but 
recently last year they decided to um switch it up and try and make money and become a metalcore band mm-hmm. and you know they've released their first song as a metalcore band and you know a lot of people didn't like it a lot of people are used to hearing the thrash down and a lot of people don't really want to hear this band play metalcore and it's like you know what that's completely understandable everyone's mm-hmm. gonna have their opinion everyone's gonna voice it but here's where they lost a lot of people is their reaction to all the negativity oh no how'd they react they, they posted saying you guys shouldn't be talking this way about it. we're trying to make <laughs> money See, no! for me, that's the worst thing a band could say itself instead of just taking it, embracing the um, the comments, and then just carrying on. But that reaction really, I feel, oh. lost a lot of respect from a lot of their fan base. Yeah, understandable. Pussies much. Um, <laughs> this is so... <laughs> Um, but actually that, that is a good transition. Cause I did, before we get further into this, I did want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Cause I know there, I, I did get a few responses cause I was asking for people's take on selling out all on socials at the metal robot on Facebook and Twitter at the dot metal robot on Instagram. Uh, and I got some good responses, but I wanted to make sure that everyone knew exactly what selling out is. Cause I don't know if people really know what exactly it is. Now mm-hmm. you you gave a good example of selling out, but um, so the, the the definitions that I was associating when I was asking people this question, and I got these definitions from uh, the ongoing history of new music podcast with Alan Cross. Which, if you haven't checked out the podcast yet, and you're a music fan, highly recommend it. It's a great podcast, even if you're uh, more into metal. It they, it's music in general. Go check it out. But. Alan Cross defined it in four ways, and we'll be using the, uh, these four definitions when talking about selling out. Uh, the first one is signing to a major label, such as, I thought they'd be indie forever, but now that Rise Records picked them up, fuck them. In some cases, that could also be uh, selling, uh, switching from thrash metal to metalcore, which is a more popular genre. Uh, the, the second definition is allowing money to influence their music. They're only in it for the money kind of thing, perhaps perceived as doing whatever it takes to get rich. The third one is the band becomes too popular for the comfort of their fans. They're good, but they're too popular for my liking. The new fans have just ruined it because they don't like the band the way I do. As you can imagine, Mm -hmm. much like Alan did, we'll be ignoring that one because that's just really fucking stupid. (laughs) Like that's that one's really seriously. If you cry sell out for a band being popular, Take your piss baby opinions and hide them and you in your mom's basement to be slowly eaten away by your 20 cats. Holy shit, Tom. That's it. Because here, who, who the fuck thinks that? It's like, they don't like me. My cats are the only ones who listen to me now. They understand me. Oh, Mitten, stop it. That hurt. I mean, if we're talking about selling out, so there was this other Italian band last year. Well, 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 um, well before we get to that, actually, there's okay. a fourth definition that uh, people usually end up uh, focusing on as well, which is number four, allowing a band, allowing their music to sell a product unrelated to the song itself, or even in some cases, even brutally related, like say master of puppets being used to sell opium. Um, <laughs> can you, it hasn't happened yet, but can you imagine if that does? <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. 
Oh my God. Someone please make that commercial. That'd be great. But uh, sorry, what, what was your, what was the, uh, the, the one you were talking about? So yeah, another Italian band this time, Nano War Steel. And really they had, they had announced they were transitioning from being a metal comedic band to a pop band. Is that real? This was a real thing. Was it? And wait, hold on. Like, was it on nah, April Fool's? We're kidding. We're going to okay. be a metal comedic band. I kind of figured I was going to say that sounds like something they would joke about. I'll be honest. But they actually released a couple of pop songs <laughs> and they're just like, nah, here's our new album, Italian folk metal. Make sure to listen to it. <laughs> the but again, for me, I'm OK with bands making money. Right. You know, they need to support themselves. They have families they need to support. I get it. But it's a manner of which you hold yourself like, mm-hmm. oh, like in life. It's don't be a dick. Right. Don't be a dick. If you're if you're still going to be the same fun loving person when you sell out, then I'm OK with you selling out. Just do mm-hmm. your thing. Yeah. People seem to yeah. have been uh, under the same mindset of like, you know, these bands have to make money. Like uh, looking at the response they got on Instagram, uh, one of the more uh, like the, the short and sweet to the point response I got was from Teabag Mills. Great username, by the way, uh, who said yep. no. Uh, when asking, you know, do you care about bands selling out? The response was no. Let them feed their kids. They're like, yeah. it's, it's not that hard to really think about that. It's like, yeah, they need to make money, especially in today's uh, music economy money is the only way you are able to fund your passion and be able to turn it into a job rather than having to balance this amazing hobby of yours with your actual full-time job. Yeah. Like to make money, you need to sound kind of like that metalcore sound. Like there's this, there's this band from Victoria who has really blown up called spirit box. Ah, spirit box. I love spirit box. Honest. Like, I never thought about listening to them. Then I heard Eternal Blue and it's like, holy shit, they're actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. So I'll be honest with you. I was thinking they were going to win the Juno this year. I think they should have, if you ask me. But I'm very proud of um, shit. Who did win it? Um, Oh, Archfire. I'm proud of Archfire for winning it because it's a thing I was not expecting. I was not expecting them to win it because they... They're a great band. Don't get me wrong. Archfire is amazing, but they didn't have that yeah. popular sounding metal sound. Like they, they, they mm. would you even call them deathcore at that point? Spearbox or, or Archfire? Arch, oh, uh, Arch Archfire. Archfire. I've always I've always thought them of them as like tech death kind of thing. Yeah, tech death. Yeah, like they're like they're definitely more like intense compared to Spearbox. Yeah. Like Spearbox has that, you know, kind of genty metal core type of sound and they're, they have yeah. a way more catchy song structure and melodies, but Artspire is just fucking nutty bananas. Like that's, that's I was, even now I, I agree with you. I was kind of shocked. They're like, really? The Junos like these guys, congratulations yeah, to them. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love, I love Artspire and I love, uh, <laughs> I, lo- I love Dean Lamb and uh, the videos he makes on YouTube, but yeah. Um, but I was, I yeah, I was probably about as shocked as you were like, really? Okay. All right. Prop. No, it's just it's one of those things where the 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 proper band won, and it's one of those things that just mm. take you aback. Like when Dream Theater won the Grammy this year, it was like 
I guarantee you, you and I were rooting for them. Like, oh, they're going to win it. But we both knew, nah, it's not going to happen to them. And then when they won, it's just, and you're just like, holy shit, this is awesome. But no, back to the topic of selling out. Mm -hmm. This example is one I'm very proud to make. So, of course, it's been very hard for bands to make money the past couple of years. Yes. So everyone's favorite dwarf band, uh, Windrose, Mm -hmm. did an idea I would have never even thought of. So, you know, their song Diggy Diggy Hole, which is a cover of a Minecraft song. (laughs) They made it a Eurodance song. Really? To play at clubs to make money (laughs) while they couldn't pour the clubs were still going on. So it's like, you know what, let's play, let's make something that we can play in the clubs. To me, that is smart marketing. Mm -hmm. And that is a smart decision. Again, that's something that I would have never even thought of. Yeah. Who the fuck thinks, you know what? This song is not pop enough. Let's remix it and play it in the club to, for bitches to twerk to. You know, like the, who thinks that? Rigros, that's who thinks that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that, but that's that's what I think most people would have been like behind, anyways, because it doesn't affect their future. The band's future doesn't affect the band's past. It's still like you know it was something they had to do during, especially during the pandemic when they couldn't tour or just weren't going on tour. It's an easy, a passive way to make money. Uh, but in terms of selling out, it, now that, like you were mentioning uh, the uh, ultra violence as a big example of a band selling out, changing their sound to make money. And, and fans were absolutely fucking uh, not happy with them, especially their fucking response. I'm sorry. Who the hell is going to respond like that? But well, what I do, what I do want to know is like, like any, uh, do you know of any other examples within the metal community uh, of bands selling out and people having a super negative reaction. I I'll, I'll stay selling out in the metal industry in one word, Napster. <laughs> that hasn't, that hasn't been around in a while. <laughs> um, gee, I wonder why. Hey, Lars, want to tell us? Hey, Lars, you got an answer for that question? Yeah. So honestly, that, that I feel is the biggest example of selling out in the metal mm-hmm. industry is the Metallica lawsuit against Napster and also the Black Album. Well, the Black Album, I actually thoroughly enjoy, but I see your point. Oh, oh yeah. No, no. It's a great album. Don't get me wrong. But Mm -hmm. when you're doing a company like Napster because you're not making money, Mm -hmm. if that's not selling out, then I don't know what really is. So, but aside from ultra violence, do you think that selling out still happens in the metal community? Like there's, uh, like, do you know of any oh, yeah. other examples? No, I don't. Those are all just examples I know off of hand and I've experienced personally, but um, I guarantee you there's a ton of bands you could say sold out. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, for me, the main point is how they handle themselves how they hold themselves you know i think we've grown as a metal community to a sense where we need they need to sell out in order to make money i think a lot more fans are accepting of it Mm -hmm. because they know the music is coming from the heart still the music is still their music it's not 
the corporates or anything. It's when it's metal musicians, it's their music still. And we want to support them no matter what. So if they open a band camp, we're going to buy merch. If they do this, do that, we're going to buy it to support them because we know how, how much of a struggle it is for metal bands to succeed in this industry. So if it takes them selling out, then you know what? Good for them. Because in the end, you want you you want to see your favorite bands make money. You don't want them to give up three years down the line saying we can't do this anymore. We're broke. We're dried. Like, how would you feel if I, I you know what? I'm going to stop myself because I can't even name an example. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those. We have a better understanding of why bands do it. Mm -hmm. And we're more accepting of it. Yeah. So I think the metal industry has grown a whole lot from the earlier days where selling out is big no no. So, so if for example, like what one of your favorite bands uh decided that ended up selling out of the four definitions, really three that we talked about, uh like do you like if your favorite band sold out in any of the other ways, signing to a major label, allowing money to influence their music? becoming too popular. We're ignoring that one or allowing the music to sell a product unrelated to the music itself. Did, would you care at that point? Think of your favorite band and think of those definitions. If they did that, is, is that something that would change your opinion of the band? No, for me, it's the controversy that comes with it of how they, again, of how they do it themselves. But I think I would be proud of them. If, mm -hmm. Like for you, wouldn't it be awesome to hear a Dream Theater song in a show like Stranger Things or something like yeah. that? <laughs> that like, would be fucking cool. I think I think that'd be the coolest thing. That like, would be even, awesome. Even just hearing Master of Puppet in that oh, in yeah. Stranger Things, like you know, might not be your favorite Metallica song, but guess what? It got played on a popular show in a pretty important scene. And oh yeah. It just got, it, it was killer. It was you know? awesome, so, dude. As soon as, as soon as fucking Eddie started playing that riff, I immediately, I, th I don't, I don't remember exactly how I reacted, but it was loud and movement was involved. And to be honest, it's kind of nice to see there being more metalheads shown in popular. Right. Like in Netflix alone this year, the past couple of months, we've had metal Lords. Mm -hmm. And now Eddie from Stranger Things, like what's next? Are we getting a full-fledged documentary about how metalheads are amazing people? Oh, if that happens, I will fund the shit out of that. I will send up, oh, send up oh. someone set up the Indiegogo. I will donate my entire life savings. Whoa, Tom. Hey, hey let's take it easy. Just, <laughs> just get, well, just get the beer I didn't money. I how much my life savings was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Fair enough. Shit. It's like, my, here's my entire life savings. Like, this is a nickel. <laughs> Sorry. Again, yeah because band merch is expensive I, but i agree with you on those points and you know what like mm -hmm. like if people are gonna be like pissed about their favorite band selling out selling out then i don't think that they really should be focused on listening to on supporting their favorite bands if they're worried about that because yeah. especially in metal, I feel like we are past this by this point. This was more yeah. of an issue, in my opinion, at least back in maybe the 80s, 90s or 2000s. And even then, 
it was mostly just because people gave more of a shit back then. And like, yeah. not just in metal, but everywhere. Nowadays, I feel like any band that sells out, if people are going to give a shit, then you're essentially, you're, you're essentially just saying, I don't care about my favorite band. I want them to just not make money off of, yeah, like, or make a shit ton of money. And I want them touring the country in a shitty van that, that especially with gas prices nowadays, they're losing more money than they're making money. Yeah. That's what, no, that's my opinion, at least on no, people you're who right. talk about that. You're right. It's, um, again, there's always going to be that debate. It differs from metalhead to metalhead, mm-hmm. but you know what? In the end, it's, there's the overall of just, we want our favorite bands to do well and be able to keep doing what they're doing for as long mm-hmm. as they can. So if it requires them to sell out, then, hey, go ahead. Just don't be a, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Exactly. Colin, thanks again for coming on the show. I appreciate your time. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure, and I always got time for you, buddy. That was Colin Sterling of Thrasher's Paradise. And yeah, if you want to talk more about uh, selling out in metal, by all means, let's keep the discussion going. Do you give a shit? Do you not give a shit? Let me know. Uh, send me an email, tmckay at themetalrobot.com or reach out on my socials at the Metal Robot on Facebook and Twitter at the dot metal robot on Instagram. Use the hashtag metal robot sellout. That will get taken out of context at some point. I swear to God. And let me know. Don't go anywhere. News of the week is coming up in a moment. But also we have Box joining us once again thereafter. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. This week's Metal News Recap is brought to you by MySanity. Everything is so depressing! Why? To stay up to date with the latest in the metal scene, check out TheMetalRobot.com for videos, reviews, press, and so much more. Now, back into the podcast. Presented by TheMetalRobot.com, this is MRP News. Ooh, it's so good to get this segment back. Conveniently, I somehow also missed out on all the Roe v. Wade news as well, which would have been hard to cover. Again. Anyways, let's see what happened this week. Did you understand any of that? Probably not, unless you saw the misheard lyrics video and know the new lyrics by heart. But that was Vince Neil of Motley Crue trying, keyword trying, to sing the lyrics to Kickstart My Heart a couple of years back. Now, Vince hasn't been sounding too good for years, and his recent solo shows, as well as the Motley Crue reunion, have shown he hasn't gotten better. Though, according to Disturbed's David Draymond, he sounds fine. On Twitter, while people were making fun of him, Draymond decided to give an ego stroke. Quote, Proud of at the Vince Neil. Videos I've seen at the stadium tour have been great. Sounding good, looking healthy. Good for you, brother. Keep knocking them dead. So we've learned somebody's been pulling a switcheroo on Draymond, and he's been watching Vince Neil in the 80s and somehow didn't know this difference. It's far-fetched, sure, but if Draymond is genuinely impressed with that, then that is the only fucking explanation I've got. Now, to be fair, David Draymond has been known to be a positive personality in the metal world. Rather than knocking people down, he's the guy who's giving out participation trophies like they're fucking candy. Even recently, he also defended Vince Neil's use of a teleprompter, which, to be fair, half of you would be using if you were at his age. But sounding good? Looking healthy? 
Are we talking about the same person here? I mean, yes, the clip I used is hilarious, but it's also dated. It's been a couple years. But if you want something more recent, that was two months ago! I've heard people say that Neil's age is at play here for his performance, but to put it into perspective, you're wrong, because Vince Neil is 61 years old. Meanwhile, over across the pond, Bruce Dickinson is 63 and still looks and sounds 10 times better. The problem is not age. Vince Neil is just tired. After years of abusing drugs and trying to keep the party going into his middle ages, has done a number on his health and his ability to perform. Now, while I am glad to see a legendary band reunite to give people a taste of the most infamous band of the 80s, their frontman clearly can't do it. So why the hell are they still trying to force it? And why the hell are there David Draymond's in the world trying to give them a false sense of positivity and ego? Just retire already, for God's sakes. Or at the very least, if you're going to keep going, try and get healthy first before going on the road for a few extra Benjamins. We all, including you, will be very grateful for it. Here's a question, why is it we rock and metal fans can't help but blame the girlfriends? I mean, really, I know it was the thing back in the day for when shit went wrong with our favorite bands, but how the hell is your favorite band deciding to quit somehow because of who bandmates are with? It just makes no fucking sense to me. Now, one such example of a band having their end blamed by a woman is Sepultura. Max Cavalera left the band in 1996. Good thing too, have you seen what the band's been up to lately? It ain't pretty. Now with Max's exit, however, people put the blame at the feet of Max's wife, Gloria. But as anybody who is capable of being within six feet of a woman without collapsing into a blob of gelatin will tell you, that's not how the power of pussy works. And this became more clear when Max admitted in an interview with The Dan Chan Show last week that he was the one who made the decision. Because of course he did. Like, I don't get it. People act like men can't make their own decisions when they get married. Okay, that's partially true. But in this case, it wasn't that, as he explained. The truth is, we grow apart. We start hating each other, man. And it happened to the Beatles and yeah. and happened to, to many other bands, Pantera, you know, it's just how it is. Well, on the note, actually, Pantera kind of fizzled out after 2004 for no particular reason at all. But I see your point. Guys, like it or not, bands just fall... Don't kill me for that. Bands just fall apart. It happens. It's too easy to blame the wife or girlfriend, and nine times out of ten, that's not how shit went down. The power of the pussy is powerful, but not by that much. Now, while we're on the subject of abandonment issues, let's talk about Devil Driver, where yet another member has left the band. And guess what? It wasn't Dez. Surprise! <laughs> Fucking spoiler alert! No, it was their six-year-long bassist, Diego Ibarra. He announced the departure on Facebook, going on to say, quote, It was an honor to play with some of the most talented musicians thus far in my career. I wish Devil Driver the best and look forward to what the future holds and new musical chapters. Which... Sounds like a generic send-off, but okay. Now, as of recording this, the reason for Diego's departure is still kind of unknown. Maybe nothing really happened and Diego just decided to move on. Or maybe it would have been an Evanescence thing where Dez called Diego and said, Hey, uh, we're two weeks from tour, but guess what? You're out. Bye. Click. Too soon? Eh, whatever. <laughs> when we hear something about that, though, I'll be sure to let you know. In Slipknot news, because, of course, Slipknot have a new album coming out soon. 
September 30th is the set release date for their new album, The End So Far, and with it features a new single, The Dying Song, Time to Sing. People seem to enjoy it. Also, new masks have been revealed. And this has been your obligatory Slipknot News. That single moment made Loudwire shit themselves. And in case you're wondering, that was the new Muse song, Killed or Be Killed, set to release off their upcoming album, Will of the People, due out August 26. The song got a lot of traction in the metal world because, one, they're fucking Muse, they're amazing, and two, because of the new metal sound and energy that they're featuring in this particular song. And the metal world, more specifically in the news and magazine sector, seems somewhat mixed with this development. As mentioned, Loudwire couldn't last long enough for the growl to be over before exploding. Metal Injection seemed to have been pretty satisfied with the sound as well, though not as splooge intense as their rock counterparts. Meanwhile, on the opposite side, Metal Sucks wasn't happy, calling it amateurish and out of touch. Though, in their defense, Matt Bellamy's quote from the press release didn't help. Quote, We found a modern metal sound featuring double bass drum action and even a death growl. Which just kind of sounds like someone going, Holy shit, guys, we sound so metal right now. Do you love us yet? Personally, though, I thought the song was pretty good. I do enjoy the mix of Muse's usual sound and style with a metal edge to it, and I'm hoping the rest of the album goes just as well. Though I did put up a poll on Twitter at The Metal Robot and on Instagram at The Dot Metal Robot and asked you what you thought, and as of recording this so far, people seem to be enjoying it a lot. Uh, not all all of you are down with it, but the majority of you thought it was great. And with that in mind, yeah, I can't wait for this album. And if it's as metal as we thought it was, we might even get a review out of it. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see what happens. And finally, we have Metal and Beer Fest coming back in December. The festival will be heading to Denver this winter, and the lineup, presented by Metal Blade Records, is looking to be one for those of us not endeavored to be so fucking jealous of. This includes Cannibal Corpse, Pig Destroyer, Dark Funeral, Immolation, Black Anvil, Wake, of Feather and Bone, Glacial Tomb, and so many more, it's nuts. But of course, it can't be a metal and beer festival without the beer. And given that, according to Decibel, Denver is the craft beer capital of America, the festival already has a large lineup of North America's most metal breweries. True Brewing, Three Floyds, War Pigs, Metal Monkey, Adroid Theory, and New Level will all be there amongst many other breweries. Denver Metal and Beer Fest is set for December 2nd and 3rd. Tickets went on sale this morning at the time of recording this, and they're starting at $35 for just metal and single day, up to $160 for both days plus beer. So if you're down for some metal and getting pissed drunk behind a dumpster for some good craft beer, get your tickets now while you still can. And that'll do it for this week's Metal News Recap. It's about time we finally get this segment back. I know it's been a while since I did this one. There was a lot of news that I ended up missing, including uh, for a while there was the whole Roe v. Wade thing, along with the mass shooting in Uvalde and how people were reacting. There was a lot of stuff that's been going on since I last did the news for this podcast. Holy shit, there's a lot that was going on. But nonetheless, I'm glad to finally get the segment back and hopefully... 
Hopefully it fucking stays there this time. Uh, but with this week's stories, any comments on the stories that we talked about or anything that I may have missed from this week, because I'm sure there's a lot of news I missed, hit me up on Facebook and Twitter at The Metal Robot or on Instagram at The Dot Metal Robot. I would love to hear from you with some of your thoughts on these stories. You can also check out TheMetalRobot.com for more news and press that can be found throughout the week. And hopefully, hopefully we'll continue to do this next week as well. Again, seriously, I'd love to hear from you on these this week's stories, but any stories that you have, let me know. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. We've got box coming right up, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Metal addicts call it symbiosis between extreme metal and classical music. Cult Metal Flick says cinematic landscapes collide with atmosphere. Tom McKay says, it's the reason my veins are filled with caffeine. Wait, what? I can't help it! I'd rather write awesome metal than sleep! Give me a fucking ambient, please! Call to the Demon Sultan is out now on all streaming platforms. And while you're at it, pick up some cool merch by going to metalrobotreviews.creatorspring.com or check the links in the podcast description. Stream now. I want to say I understand, and yet... I'm hurt. If I wasn't rocking out so much, I'd be scared shitless. You broke my cheese meter 2.0. I wouldn't sleep on this one if you don't identify yourself as Petrucci Butt Pirates. Part MDM, part progressive, part blackened, all fuck. This is not a thrash metal album. Thrashheads expecting a beer-infused fuckfest will have a heart attack. New installment of the fan-favorite series, 10 Second Purge. Only on Metal Robot Reviews. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. Alrighty, welcome back to the show. I don't know why I started with that. Let's continue with our guest, Box, from the last episode. I gotta say, I was pleasantly surprised by how well this interview actually went. Sometimes I get guests on who are great. Uh, sometimes I'll get guests on that, you know, don't get that I'm trying to make jokes on the show because this is technically a comedy show. And many just decide to roll with the punches and play along. But my last guest, Andrew Stromstad, nah, he knew exactly what to do and brought his A-game for comedy. His new album, Cherry Blossoms at Night, is due out July 29th next week, and on top of trying to piss off the metalheads, he is so excited to release this album, as we'll hear him say in a moment. So, here we go. This is Box's Andrew Stromstad, Part 2. We're a few months away from this album being released now. Uh, are you excited for it? Are you nervous? No, I'm not. I'm not. Well, I'm not excited at all no <laughs> okay that's a Fuck great no. attitude going into it <laughs> I don't. why would i be excited man like <laughs> it's a new sucks. album it's a new like yeah. it's a new thing coming out you know sure yeah i'm, just, <laughs> I'm ready you know i always set myself up for disappointment i'm oh. trying to be disappointed dude that's how you know you don't give yourself high expectations and you just you know like be honest with yourself you know everything's this world is fucking bullshit mm -hmm. so <laughs> I'm just going to keep thinking that way, right? But maybe there's a glint of beauty somewhere that I haven't found yet. Or maybe it's the record itself. Mm -hmm. mm, yes, I like the muse about these things. I have to fucking shoot another video like on Monday, and I totally fucked up the booking, and I'm really nervous and stressed about that. Mm. And, uh, you know, now that you're my new therapist, I feel like I can really... <laughs> start talking about these things. And that's a, that's a shitty thing that when you're doing stuff yourself, you have to figure out all this bullshit. That's not oh, yeah. like the real shit, you know? So, and I'm really bad with doing the, oh God, I almost said adulting. I, okay. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking adulting. Shit, adulting. 
God, that's the, such a piece of shit. Man. It's the is worst, this, right? Is this fucking thing over yet? I sound like a fucking moron. Hey. <laughs> oh, I, I had to do a thing and it made me feel like I was in my 30s and it was terrible. <laughs> Shut up, bro. Yeah. No, you know what? <laughs> I, I feel the exact same. I'm in my my like mid-20s right now and I'm just like, can I be a kid again? Like, can that, oh, you're can just that a baby. I just want to be, I, I want no responsibilities from this point forward. Is that possible? <laughs> Is that it? Can that can I make that happen, please? Somebody you ever hear that shit. Someone's like, "Oh, you're in your mid twenties. You're such a. You're still a kid. You got some time. You're fine." <laughs> you ever hear that? I wish <laughs> society doesn't work that way. What do you do in Canada, man? What do you do over there besides punch moose? I don't know. Nothing oh, you know, the typical thing. We ride polar bears to work. Uh, like we have pet beavers that just eat everything because we're our houses are made of wood instead of igloos for some reason. We don't know. Oh. It's all. <laughs> so we can never have good things because our pets are only beavers. <laughs> Having dogs and cats were outlawed back in like the six, back in like the 60s. It's not oh, only. yes, I recall this. Well, I mean, we're. I grew up in Alaska, so I mean, I, I, I get it. I get those. Uh, <laughs> Oh my God, do you ride to work on a sled dog kind of shit all the time? Or <laughs> did you grow up in an igloo? And at this point, it's just like, yeah, I did all that. Totally. I'm sure, I'm I sure someone, ten. someone like, uh, in the Inuit tribes further north, are going to be like, like, we'll hear some of that stuff, like from like random tours who got lost. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this isn't Hollywood. There's it's too like much snow. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to Paris. <laughs> it's, it's been two weeks. Oh god! <laughs> oh no! I almost made a bare naked ladies reference, bro. Oh shit! That's Canadian. Mm, yeah, of course. Okay, I'm doing the interview now, bro. Top three Canadian bands of all time. Go. <laughs> oh god. Oh. uh that's that that, that's actually tough to be honest because I most of the bands I know are are either American or not Canadian. Um, okay, okay. Uh, there's Three Days Grace. I think before uh, no, they're still pretty good. Um, Nickelback. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we're gonna go for Cobra <laughs> and the Lotus. <laughs> and uh, right now, one like I'd still I'm gonna say this Unleashed the Archers hands down. I, I don't know that band. I don't think. Oh, no, you, no. that's a great band name though. Unleash the Archer. They're like a they're like a power metal outfit out of Alberta. Really good stuff. I was gonna say, or, wait, yeah. are they Alberta or BC? I have no idea. Oh god, I got to look Nobody this up backwards. Cares. I'm gonna offend somebody. <laughs> it's like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> dude, I seriously thought you were gonna say like, okay, fucking Rush, dude. Fucking. Oh, of course. Uh, well, I mean, I was going dude. straight to like, fucking. like the like the hard rock and heavy metal stuff. But Rush, hands down, like, mm -hmm. uh, like I know many people are thinking like, oh no, no, you gotta go for Rush. You gotta go for uh for for the for the Arkells. You got to go for Celine Dion and like and shit like that. And it's like or, or fucking Monster Truck. Like you got to go for that shit. I'm like, oh, Monster oh. Truck, bro. Yeah. No, I'm gonna tell me how to lay. Oh, exactly. Dude, yeah. Oh my so god. Good. They're they're you they're really good. Yeah. Uh, you watch that Pat Finnerty guy? I'm sorry. You ever heard? Of, you ever heard of Pat Finnerty? Oh god. No, I have not. Okay, I'm gonna send you something later. That you're Definitely fucking, do so. Yeah, you are, and it has to do with monster truck, and you are going to love it. <laughs> I am sure I will. I can't wait to be blown away. So we were talking. We talked a second ago about like uh, whether or not you were excited or nervous. There, there are some people who, by this point, who may have heard the album already, or at least have heard the first tracks to come. What are some of the reactions that you've been hearing thus far for the music that's been released, or for those who managed to hear the full thing early? 
bro, this is the uh, greatest record of all time. This this trumps really. This trumps um, uh, 1986 is John Parr's uh, <laughs> uh, Man in Motion Meatloaf doesn't hold a fucking wow. out of hell. Not, not a candle. Not a candle. <laughs> that's getting specific. Someone actually said that. Oh no, God, okay. no. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows who John Parr is, dude. Except for me. I'm the only John Parr fan, okay? <laughs> no, one, no one's allowed to have him. He's mine. I, I don't know. People like it, I guess. It's like music is so... Uh, it's Right now, It's there's so much music, dude. There's so much music. And pre- you're preaching to the choir here, bro. Yeah, down on my knees, man. I'm like... Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Just laud, so fucking much. It's, yeah, there's a lot of music, bro. Oh yeah, like especially in metal, because I get like we have all these like like the most complicated fucking subgenre tree I've ever seen in my life. On top of like <laughs> everybody wants to do like one thing or another, and you get like I don't know the, the actual number, but like <clears throat> maybe like twenty thousand new bands propping up, wanting to do something and releasing something every single Friday. Yeah, like it's nuts. How many- how many records do you listen to every week? You think I try to listen to at least about four, maybe five, because yeah. it's part of like, that's what I do for the podcast is what I do for, for the metal That's what I do for all this stuff. Um, and how and often do you go back and listen to a record again? Depends on how good it is. Like one, yeah. like, again, I went, like, I went back to a couple of records uh, from like, uh, from Lutero, uh, which I'm great sure right now. Uh, I went went back to uh, Sleep Wraith, another band out of out of Alberta. Great stuff. Um, but there, aside from that, there's not many I go back to unless it's like like top notch, top tier, like worth spinning again and again and again. And that's really unfortunate because a lot of the time it seems like these guys are putting in a lot of effort into their music only for some random Canadian twat uh, who's like listening to your music, like listening to it once and then great, moving on. Well, you're Return. not a twat. You're a dick. Sorry, I yeah, I should probably clarify that. Yeah, I'm a dick. <laughs> it's it's worth understanding the vocabulary. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, there's just so much music out there, dude. And um, what's my point here? What's the point I'm trying to make? I know it's really deep. I guess like how um, do you how does one compete with the the influx? But but it's like, do you really want to compete too? Because mm. co- competition is such a it's such a westernized concept, dude. Like I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, compete with people. I want to like live within a community. I want to have a village. I want to have a family, you know? Right. And and when there's competition and there's money involved, you don't get that. You just, uh, you fucking suffer culturally. Yeah. And competing seems to be like, yeah, it seems to be like the dominant form is of like, like you got to compete with like so-and-so every single yeah. week. Uh, like I, I know when I was, when I was like, uh, doing their promotion for my debut EP, like uh, a few months back, I know like that was one of the big things. Like you want to, you want to pick a release date that doesn't compete with too many albums. Uh, and that was like the key word compete. You don't want to compete. And I, I know I've used that before when reviewing albums that were like, uh, released on a different week or different day from corn, uh, or like, or like from, <laughs> from fucking big names. Cause like, or like they accidentally realized, Oh crap. Corn releases the same time as us. We're fucked <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> oh, like, man, that's a I, I've made those jokes before, but it's like, that's, it really <laughs> is hard to compete. But then again, like, as you said, like we really shouldn't be thinking of it like that. Shouldn't we? Like it's, we're a community. We're like a, like a village, a family of metalheads making music for the sake of making music. 
Absolutely. I try to, <laughs> I try to prop up other people, but I also talk a lot of shit. So yeah, there's two parts of me that I need to work on. <laughs> <laughs> You're speaking to my heart there, bud. You're speaking to my heart. Yeah. We obviously have this new album coming out in July. Uh, do you have any other projects coming down the road? Anything that's in the works while you're promoting this or anything that might be uh, that we can probably look out for in the future? Hundreds. Hundreds. Hundreds, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> it never dude, stops. Dude, dude, I'm doing the worst record right now. It's actually almost done. It's a, um, it's a tribute to Dale and Hart. Oh, the, 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 ra- the race driver, the race car driver. It's a fucking thrash metal, traditional metal tribute to Dale Earnhardt. And I was doing it as a joke at first. I had a really fucking offensive name for it that I'm not going to say, but, um, that would piss off race fans a lot. And I started reading about him and watching documentaries on him. And I'm like, dude, this guy's actually really fucking cool. He, mm-hmm. when he's not racing, cars he's got a farm and he's like raising cows and shit and he's he's doing like real cool shit and uh the more i learned about him the more i started to like him and it's like okay well i guess i'm just gonna make a tribute this is not gonna be a joke album i mean it is a joke album right but Mm -hmm. (laughs) can you be it's like it's it's like any it's no less of a joke than fucking black sabbath having stonehenge on stage or some shit like it's just it's you know it's all theater dude Exactly. Um, so that's that's like I'm either gonna do that record next or the next. I have an icy box. I'll, I actually have a bunch of songs that didn't get on this record that I could put out like at any time if I wanted to. Um, so I might do that. Or I started a record label last summer and I want to do like a bunch of short runs of seven inches with just like friends of mine in town and just like write a couple songs in whatever genre that we decide to do. I'm about to start recording a record with the other band I play in, Atriarch. We haven't put out any new material in like five years or something. And we have a, a, re, a album that's ready to go. So I'm going to do that. I do a lot of video projects, like comedic video stuff, mm-hmm. um, like YouTube. And I, I have something that I'm working on for like a, a TV pilot right now. Because um, TV is way funner than music. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> music is so depressing, but like <laughs> making video is not depressing. It's very fun. It's like the same shit. Like you're still you're using a, a, a you're using a video editor as opposed to an audio editor, and uh, that there's that depression that's involved. But <clears throat> there's a lot there's a lot more laughter, and you have other people involved. And what am I trying to say, dude? God, I don't you know. know. You're always, like, <laughs> it's that guy who comes on to the show. He's like, dude, I'm so deep. <laughs> Did you ever think fucking... about like t- TV's better than? <laughs> 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 Did you dude, ever like, like think about the laughter with TV? <laughs> I'm fucking serious though, dude. Like TV's way less depressing than audio. All right. <laughs> right dude i mean yeah. dude, do, you, do you ever get sick of hearing your own voice i got over that like years ago <laughs> you, got over it? Yeah. you get used to it after a while you're just like yeah whatever well it depends actually you get you get sick of how you used to sound because i look back on like my old videos or any of like my old college projects and i hear back on how i sounded and i'm just like oh god this guy was allowed here <laughs> <laughs> this guy was allowed near a microphone <laughs> 
poor thing. <laughs> poor shame. <laughs> what were these guys thinking? I was... <laughs> yeah, everything that you do when you're younger is cringe, dude. It's exactly. So yeah. Cringe. Can't help it. I listened to music I made 15 years ago and I just, I die a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I wish I could have made fucking awesome shit when I was 19, but <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> not awesome. It is bullshit. Yeah. Hindsight is a beautiful thing in that regard because it's always there to remind you, hey, remember how you were as a kid? Yeah, you sucked, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've got one more question for you uh, and mm-hmm. then we can start wrapping up. If you could be any cereal box character, this is the most important question. Who would you be? Cereal box question? Wait. Wait, what? If you could be. I got the question. I'm just like. uh, I was just questioning what exactly kind of question this is. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess Tony the Tiger was in good shape. He looks pretty healthy. (laughs) Um, Was there like a cereal box character that was like surrounded by babes? (laughs) Uh, I got to look that up. because I have babes on both arms or something. Is there that? that, Can I be like a. like Michael Jordan on, on the Wheaties box or something. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? Can I do that? Hey, you know what? At this point, there's no rules to this. Uh, the lead vocalist from uh, Ore uh, from Aki of Hell, she wanted to, she couldn't pick one, so she wanted to be the milk. Like, that was her <laughs> response. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Fuck the rules at this point. Let's just go with whatever. Where is she from? Uh, from France. Oh, okay. Because I, 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 for some reason, I heard that in a French accent. I don't know why. Yeah, because she's from France. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I still that that was still like a great response, but yeah, no, I think that I think your response works too. (laughs) Michael Jordan Wheaties box, here we go. Fuck yeah, here (laughs) we go. Andy, thank you so much for coming on the show. The new album Cherry Blossoms at Night is due out this July in a few months from now. Uh, Anything you want to add to all that? Mm, What's your What's your real name? Uh, Tom. Tom. Hi, Tom. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) 30 minutes in. Oh, now we're on a name basis. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for being exchanged. Dude, I got, buy my fucking record, you fucking uh, peons (laughs) or whatever. Uh, I got a record label called Miserable Pyre. Uh, You can figure out the spelling on your own. Um, Dude, I'm, dude, hold on. I, I'm pulling one out. I'm so <laughs> It's like a well. It's a well of wealth that I'm pulling from. <laughs> just like, just got to sift through, like, where the fuck yeah. is this shit? <laughs> Wait, where's the shit I need right now? It's like. <laughs> <laughs> just email me later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll leave a link to the to, to any socials and pre-orders down in the description of this podcast so any again thanks for coming on the show i appreciate your time thanks tom andrew Stromstad of box once again cherry blossoms at night is due out july 29th you can of course pre-order your copy in the podcast description if you're so interested trust me i took a listen to it for this interview Trust me, I took a listen to it for this interview, and among the perplexed face emotions that I had the entire time, it's an album that leaves you confused as to where this belongs on the metal spectrum, but also wanting more out of this project. So, go check it out. Huge thanks to Andrew for coming on the show. We had a lot of fun. If you haven't heard part one yet and forgot that this was a two-parter for some reason, go check out part one back in episode 29 that I put out not too long ago. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. You just listened to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. 
All right, that's the sound of the rain of fire, so let's wrap this episode up with telling you what's coming up next week. Do you want some fun Nintendo grindcore? Well, Gone Mage has you covered, and he'll be joining us on the show. Plus, more reviews from next week. Any suggestions on some new releases for the 29th? Let me know. Plus, some more fun stuff and next week's Metal News Recap. In the meantime, thanks for listening to the Metal Robot Podcast. You can follow the show on the internet, YouTube Metal Robot Reviews, Facebook and Twitter at The Metal Robot, Instagram at The Dot Metal Robot. You can also check out everything Metal Robot on TheMetalRobot.com for videos, podcasts, press, and so much more. A special thanks to Dust Prophet When the Axe Falls is available down in the podcast description, and to co-producer Anna. Glad to have you on the team. I'm Tom McKay. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'll see you in the mosh pit next time. Have a good night.